you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We will open your phone lines or open the phone lines for your calls um, at 888-589-8840. We'll do that in the last segment of the show Mm -hmm. um, just to get your feedback and your comments on, on what we're discussing. So the question I wanted to ask today and have a little bit of a conversation around is the question of Juneteenth. Right. Because this is this is a current cultural event and there's a conversation around it. And so if you listen to this program for any length of time, if you have, then, you know, what we do is we take what is happening in the culture currently. Um, You might just call it a current event. And and then we filter that through scripture. We ask questions about that that um, reflect the fact that we're Christians first. So that's 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 how we live. Right. Mm -hmm. We're looking at Mm -hmm. what's going on in the culture and we're not taking a position based on anything that leads above or beyond what it is to be a Christian. Yeah. Right. So, so in other words, there is no distinction or identity that I have apart from being a Christian that gets top billing. Okay. So everything I filter um, is going to come through the lens or go through the filter of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So before I'm a follower, I'm sorry. So before I'm black, in America, mm-hmm. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Before I'm a woman, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before I'm a wife and a mom, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So every way that I live should be the natural outflow of that first identity. Mm-hmm. And this is so important. In fact, it is so important, right? It is so very important that in years past, we have done entire shows exploring (laughs) this topic. Yes. Like we have dedicated shows to this because we saw this as like sort of the first wording that needed to be written on the chalkboard. Right. Like this is the headline. I am a Christian. And what does that mean? For many people, it is simply a religious distinction Mm. that they have, Mm -hmm. right? Where they just say, well, I'm a Christian. And so you can take from that whatever it means to you and whatever that means for how we navigate religious things, quote unquote. Yeah. And then we leave it there. But you understand that when you say that you are a Christian, you are talking about a uh, you're talking about being transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a new citizenship. You're talking about coming into a new family with new norms and a new culture. Yeah. So when you say you're a Christian, you're not only saying that this is when I worship, this is where I worship, this is what I read, you know, these are our texts, you know, that's, that's, that's not only what you're saying. What you are saying is that I have a new identity. Right. In fact, you're saying that what I once was now falls in the background and some of it has to be destroyed outright. Yeah. This is, this is not like there, there are some aspects of who we are before we come to Christ that we get to keep. 
right? In as much as those things are not an affront to the gospel or they are not offensive to our holy and righteous God. But the amazing who, thing is that yeah. this concept or this truth has has been hard for many to grasp. Like it's, it's like, very difficult. Wait, hold on, you know. Yes, yes. It, when it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. When we right. look at the scripture, you know, and and the preeminence of Christ. Yeah, yeah. You know, we could spend some time. Um, we could spend some time trying to make sense of why this is difficult. And and I think when you take a step back, I think that there are different people who would have a different reason or arrive at a different conclusion for why this has been so difficult. Why is it difficult to make much of Christ mm-hmm. um, in practice, like in, in our daily living? Why has that been so difficult? And then also the question of, you know, why has it been um, so difficult to make less of all the other things that are distinctions that we hold? And I think chief among these reasons, and of course, there are many reasons, but I think chief among these reasons is what kind of underpins a lot of our refusal to exalt Christ and its pride. Mm. It is that we like who we are, Mm -hmm. all of these things that we are that really are supposed to just be tools that the Lord uses to draw us to himself. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean. And that seems like an oversimplification. And some people are like, well, no, come on. I'm, I'm so great. This is so, I'm so great at, you know, being <laughs> right, this, right? right and right. and we're so proud of these distinctions. But if you look at what the Lord um, says about these distinctions, where we're born, when we're born, the mm-hmm. borders of our habitation, um, Acts 17, 26 actually roots this in a purpose that goes beyond just being proud to be whatever, like fill in the blank that right. you're proud to be. It's actually rooted in God's plan to bring you to himself. It mm. is so that you will seek after him. And when you, when you really grasp that, right, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So, <laughs> it's, so even, even, even the greatness that I am is not just like for the greatness itself, right? right like you're, right. it's not just, I, I shouldn't just be, um, simply proud to be who I am, I should um, find a lot of humility Mm. and a lot of thanksgiving Mm -hmm. in who I am, the time that God has called me to live in, caused me to live in and where he's caused me to live. Because he's sovereign over all of that. That's yes. That was all his doing anyway. Yes. There's nothing that we did to, you know, earn that or to, to say that because of this, that's why I'm here is all God. Absolutely. And so listen, and so this is how um, this is one of those components that if you understand it well, um, you then understand the Christian's charge to give thanks to God in all things, mm-hmm. because you can have had the roughest childhood, um, the roughest upbringing. You can have been abandoned by your father or abandoned by your mother. You can have grown up in abject poverty where you know what it's like to truly, truly be hungry. You know, like I, I remember growing up, you know, I, we would say as kids, you know, I'm hungry. Right. And then you have some generations who would say to you, you have no idea mm-hmm. what it's like to really be hungry. Yeah. Right. So in, in the context of understanding what God has done, if you are in Christ, you can look back at your history, whatever it is, as as varied as those histories are, as diverse as those histories are. Right. Uh, when you understand um, what God says about why these things have happened, you know, 
God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And if you are a believer, mm -hmm. you should give glory to God because you go, whoa, the opposition didn't win. Mm. Cause you're, cause, because it worked, right? Because all of the things that you've gone through and all, of, and all of the places that you've lived, even if you have immigrated to this country, yeah. right? You have immigrated to this country. You have gone through the proper channels. You have found your way to this country and you have said, I want to be an American citizen, even if it's been hard. Right. And the, and the way has been difficult, but you're here. And having come here, you have found Christ. Glory to God. Look at what God has done, Amen. because the end of it all is the saving of your soul. Mm. Right. But we don't we don't really understand that. And that's because we don't really believe what what we read. So all of that to set up and to say, um, what might the people of God do with Juneteenth? That's the question. <laughs> what might the people of God do with Juneteenth? Hmm. So there's a political conversation that's happening about it right. or happening around it because right. it's become a federal holiday and right. the Democrats are responsible. And so it's really <laughs> right. easy, right? It's really easy to go to the red corner <laughs> over in this corner right. and, and be the opposition because we're like, brickle, braggle, brickle, braggle. We just don't like those folks. <laughs> and so we just don't trust anything that they do. Right. And, and then also it's really easy to go over to the blue corner and in this corner. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. These are our people. They always do great things mm -hmm. for us. They are always leading the charge in equality and equity. Barf, barf. Like, and, and so <laughs> it's very tempting to yeah. be, to, to do these things because this is just what we do, but let us be reminded, right? So this is what the apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians. Fascinating. Um, and, and this is something that we're on big time in the um, schooling of our children and education of our children, like we, we understanding what is of first importance and we have to keep Amen. recalibrating, Amen. keep resetting and keep coming back because you, you go off course, right? You, yeah. you, because life, right. you can go off course. But the apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in um, first Corinthians chapter 15, verse three, this is what he, what he wrote. He said, for I delivered to you as a first importance, what I also received. Uh, first. So importance. what comes before first? <laughs> that's that's the question mm. right like what you know when you yeah. <laughs> like when a person says how Number many one. is one yeah. well um are we speaking like as like greek I, I don't know like what about the hebrew is it is there something different so what comes before first and the answer is i mean that's a rhetorical question the answer is obviously nothing there's nothing that comes before first and so what the, what the apostle paul wrote was for i delivered to you as a first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, mm. though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as one, um, as to one untimely born, uh, he appeared also to me. Which, I'm going to stop there, that's uh, to verse 8. I think it's so interesting there, because in New Orleans vernacular, mm -hmm. um, the Apostle Paul is like, you can go ax him. <laughs> he's he's yes. writing this letter, right? And, he, and yes. he's saying, there are people who saw Jesus. <laughs> They're still around. Go ax him. Like, go <laughs> talk to them. Right? I mean, which is just like a phenomenal thing to understand as a Christian that we have not been drawn to fairy tale. We have been drawn to actual, factual Jesus Christ was crucified, dead and buried, rose again. People saw him. And talked to him. So, right. And, and like, that's, that's like the thing that yeah. it's, it's over for all the opposition. If that's true. Right. And yet it is true. And even for those of us who hold it to be true, we make so little of it. Mm. Everything else gets top billing. Yep.
Miki, 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 but tell me as a black woman, why can't I just tell you as a Christian first? (laughs) How about that? Let's how about let's start there, because that's the most important identity that I have. So, yeah. okay, you want to ask me. So, Miki, tell me as a black woman, if I have to. okay, I can tell you for me. Mm -hmm. Right. But what about as a Christian? What about as one who is trying to filter all of her living through that which is of as the Apostle Paul put it, first importance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Juneteenth. Um, We've got a couple clips here, Mm -hmm. and um, I don't know that we want to start with these clips. Will the Great, I'm going to ask that you would set them up once we get to them. But let's let's, uh, talk about a little bit of background on on Juneteenth. Because I, I, (laughs) unfortunately, we could miss an incredible opportunity as Christians in this entire conversation, right? Because what people are going, ultimately, this... (laughs) This is what happens. Okay. This is what happens. People are going to ask you, so what do you think about that uh, federal holiday they just, they just made? What do you think about that? And they're going to use your response to determine which camp you're in. Yeah. You should shock them. Right? What should you well, say? What do you, well, what do you mean? Well, you should take it back to an opportunity for the gospel mm. because that's of first importance. Amen. And what kind of story, what kind of story, what kind of real story could set you up for the gospel to f- proliferate other than a story, or unlike a story that really talks about literal freedom, yeah. like in, in the natural sense. Yeah. Right. Like, okay. So this is, a, this is a story of people who, though they were free, mm. <laughs> oh, were then waiting no. for the message to get <laughs> to, th- I wish, man, no, probably not. Okay. I'm just, yeah, man, <laughs> I just, Okay. So you have people who are free. The document has been signed. It has been written. Mm-hmm. You are free. You no longer have to be a slave. Mm. And yet they are waiting for someone to deliver that message to them so that they can live what has already been secured for them. But you want me to just talk about whether I fall on the Democrat or the Republican side? I'm sorry. I don't have time for that. I'm so sorry. There is a window here of opportunity where you want to ask me about Juneteenth, but I want you to be with me in eternity. So I want to bring this to the gospel, right? I want to talk about what Jesus Christ has done. But in order for me to get to that place, in order for me to even do that with you and for you, I've got to be on the same page with the scriptures, like literally speaking. And that means I've got to know what is a first importance. Amen. Amen. All right. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio will take the break and we'll be right back. on American Family Radio. Um, I'm Miki. Oh, and that's Mission Nowhere Too Far featuring V. Rose. Okay, so we're talking about Juneteenth and asking the question, what might God's people do with Juneteenth? We mm-hmm. don't have to be afraid of this. <laughs> like, we don't have to we be... Shouldn't. Like, we don't yeah. have to feel like, oh, we got to take, you know, a political side or a cultural side. But that's what's been done with it, you know. And what so, have you seen, Will? Well, like, what have you observed? 
Well, of course, you know, I've seen the, the conversations of this has only been done uh, to try to once again do identity politics, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to um, say, hey, we are the party that cares about this. <laughs> they they never did this before, you know, and so we're the ones. And so we should be uh, celebrated. It's, mm-hmm. it, it becomes something where it's about them, not the you know the celebration of, of freedom is more about man we should get some brownie points for this because look mm-hmm. we've made this a federal holiday mm-hmm. and i hate that because yeah there's a real like you were saying there, there are real implications and in, in a way that we can view this to say like man this is awesome this is a great thing which it is mm-hmm. but at the same time when you have all this political stuff going on it's it, it to me it just kind of messes it up you know. Yeah, so it's so that's really interesting, right? Because this is the first time in almost 40 years that Congress has um created a federal holiday. Yeah. Or designated a federal holiday, I think is the way that you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh so it was uh President Ronald Reagan that uh recognized the 3rd the 3rd Monday in January as MLK Day. That oh, was yeah. in 1983. And so I think that's really interesting because, you know, However it happens or uh-huh. whatever the conversation is, I think we always are like kind of <laughs> checking the, the tone, checking yeah. the climate yeah. to see what. So so in a conversation like that, it yeah. would be really easy to say, OK, Joe Biden did it in 2021 yeah. with Juneteenth. Ronald yeah. Reagan did it in 1983 with MLK Day. Yes. Uh, we can question the motives, but it was recognized as a federal holiday. Right. But again, and as we started out the conversation discussing, there are. I would say further reaching implications right. of talking about Juneteenth specifically. Yeah. In oh, yeah. fact, you know, I, I would, I would say, um, I would say even more so than MLK day. Yeah. Uh, because the, the holiday, which was celebrated before it was discussed, you know, at a federal or even a national level, it was celebrated in Galveston, Texas, mm-hmm. um, even a year after Juneteenth, like the original Juneteenth, yeah. um, newly freed slaves were celebrating their receiving word that they were free, right? And even calling it Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Now there's a biblical <laughs> word, right? Like, so, so, so what does that mean? So 50th year, 50th year, you have all of your debts canceled and slaves are freed. Again, interestingly enough, the Bible's not afraid to talk about slavery, Right. Which seems like a weird thing to say. The Bible's not afraid, right? Like the, the Bible, <laughs> never. Afraid. The Bible discusses <laughs> slavery, Bible. right? Yeah. And slavery did not begin in the United States of America, right? Slavery is not a Eurocentric activity, right. Right. <laughs> and so, so when you know all of that, right. you can have this conversation without blushing. Like exactly. you don't, you don't, and and you can go back to the gospel implications. And so there was one thing I was thinking. I've been thinking about this all weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, just thinking about. Um, how important it is for Christians to to identify as Christians first and foremost, because when we do that, we arrive at different conclusions from the world. Right. right. So here's what I was thinking as I as I uh, learned the the news and and thinking about what that would look like this weekend. And then you, you read the headlines of the celebrations that happen and all of these things. I was thinking, you know, the reality is and we may never know the full extent of what God was responding to. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that there were people who were crying out to God for freedom in America. Yeah. Those are facts. Like you, yeah. those are 
those are narratives that come out of slavery. That's reality, right? right? And so I imagine, and I'm thinking of like God hearing the cries of people Mm. who are enslaved and God deciding, God moving and saying, okay, that's enough. Mm -hmm. And so you have these people who are set free. That's spiritual. Yeah. Like if you, if you, if you think about that in, in um, terms of eternity, that's not political. That's not just cultural, although it is, but it is spiritual. And what does God task his people with? And I, I was thinking about Deuteronomy chapter eight, and this is sort of like, um, you know, all of this is, is contained in Moses's fair, farewell uh, speech and, and directives. And, and, and he's speaking as a Lord uh, directs him and instructs him. But one of the things that he says to Israel is that they are to remember what God has done for them. Mm. Okay, <laughs> guys, stay with me. <laughs> so now, so now we, okay, wait. <laughs> okay. So we have a federal holiday where people are to remember having received freedom. Okay. And by what, by what means did you secure that freedom? By what means? Like, so, so was there a greater or higher power that secured that freedom for you? Just as we would say, and we acknowledge Mm -hmm. the spiritual formation of this country, there was greater and higher intervention because we shouldn't exist. Right. Okay. We shouldn't exist. We read the history. You read the accounts. We should not exist time and time again. It should have been over for us. Done. Right. But the Lord intervened for his purpose. So we acknowledge that even when we look at the 4th of July and celebrating our independence, we acknowledge the spiritual heritage of this country. Why don't we also acknowledge the spiritual intervention of God in setting people free in this country of freedom? Yeah. Like we can we can say that without darkening the door of the critical theorists. Right. Right. Because they don't want to go where we want to go with it. Remember? Right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. They don't they don't want to talk. about. They want to go in the opposite direction. So this is where we get to say, oh, wait, are you so you want a federal holiday? That's fantastic. Can we have a conversation around the spiritual implications of freedom and who is the one who secures freedom? And where is the ultimate freedom? That one is to seek and to search after what 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 is that yeah. freedom and in whose name is it found? It's a launching pad to to uh, share the gospel. One hundred percent. One like there's yeah. there's not a, there's not a, like so even if you're even if you are, <laughs> um, even if man I'm about to even if you are evangelically awkward. <laughs> that's okay i don't know you can't we can't coin that but but even if you are evangel- evangelistically awkward let me say it that way and you're like i just i don't know you know miki i just i'm not good at like sharing the gospel i don't sometimes i you know okay so right now it's really kind of like set up for you yeah all right the strawberries have had the tops like cut off <laughs> you just you don't have to do any right. heavy lifting right. this is a holiday remembering freedom right Right. Jesus Christ sets us free eternally. You now have a table set to talk about the gospel with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers who are content to only have a political conversation with you. Mm. But you can dig deeper 
and you can go a little bit further. Mm-hmm. So what are the implications in remembering, remembering what God does for people? No matter when that happens. And, and I, I would even say, but so often I don't guess we have to have this conversation a whole lot when we're celebrating the 4th of July and the formation of a country built on the principles of freedom and that man answers to God, like, like saying, hey, man, we recognize that man is made in the image of God, that man, man comes equipped with certain rights, right? <laughs> you, you, you can't rob man of those rights. We, we celebrate that in this country. Maybe what we need to do is have a total return to the spiritual implications of what God has done yeah. and the formation of this country. Maybe it need not just be about great BBQ, <laughs> right? Like, right. And the same thing with Juneteenth. Maybe it's not just about eating foods that are red and, 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 and remembering the blood loss and all of these things yeah. that are celebrated on Juneteenth. Maybe there needs to be a deeper, more spiritual reflection that happens when we talk about freedom. Yeah. And all that that entails. Well, I think for the Christian, it definitely should. You know, that should be that should be some scripture that come comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday when I spoke a little bit about this at church, yeah, um, that's what immediately came to my mind when I was talking to the, the children while I was yes, thinking was about great. this. It was like, man, we have so much scripture pointing to us being slaves, mm-hmm. but Christ setting us free. Yes. Us being uh, obligated to to a sinful nature to do whatever it wanted, but mm-hmm. now in Christ being free, and so for me, yeah, you know they can make things political, and it's good to have the holiday and and all of that stuff. But man, for the Christian, I feel like that's so much more that we can look into, you know, by way of Romans chapter six and Romans chapter mm-hmm. eight and Galatians, where. Man, it's so rich about the bondage that we all were in, you know, before Christ, but now being set free and understanding that, like you said in the, in the first segment, you know, there were there were people that didn't understand that they were free yet. The oh. <laughs> word hadn't gotten to them. They were man, being the it, it was being withheld. Come on. But man, you know, man. But when when you get that word and you and you understand the freedom that you have in Christ, man, what celebration should out you know do? Being in Christ. And look, and, and let me let me tell you, there nothing to, to answer your rhetorical question, but nothing, right? Right. Um, but think about even now the spiritual implications of the rise of critical theory, the rise of conversations about equity, the rise of cr- critical race theory. Um, it's become popularized, it's left academia, made its way out into the larger population. Even that right now, I see as a um as a tool that obscures and withholds the truth that man can be free. Mm. that man can be set free. Do you understand? So I see this as like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) While we're having this conversation about Juneteenth, can we talk about the information that is intentionally obscured, obscured right now Mm -hmm. when it comes to black people in America? Can we talk about how the gospel right now, right? The gospel message that Jesus Christ sets free eternally is being held back Mm. from people who are currently in bondage, Mm. enslaved to sin, objects of God's wrath. And rightfully so refusing to come to Christ and receive this forgiveness. This is a conversation that we can have right now. And then there's another larger conversation. Well, not larger, but then there's another conversation on the same plane, put it on the same plane. Mm -hmm. When you talk about what God calls for, when he calls for us to remember what he has done in our lives. So if I'm talking to a person who is black in America 
and the conversation turns toward Juneteenth and, and maybe there's, this is, it becomes a fishing expedition where the aim is to see, well, what do you think about it and where do you stand? And they're trying to decide, you know, are you, are you for us or our enemies? Right. That's the question. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, trying to figure out where we all fall. The question is, what do you do in your remembrance? What, what do you do with your remembrance? Because I'm thinking about what Moses said to God's people in, um, to God's people in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And the, the charge to remember what God had done was a very specific charge, and it was attached to a warning. And if you're going to say to people that on a national level, we need to remember your freedom, if we're, if we're going to say that nationally, you, you need to, we all need to remember your freedom, then we also must remember why it's important to remember. Mm. Why is it important to remember? Right. Well, if you're looking at what Moses said, if you're going back to a biblical reason to remember, it's so that you would ever be mindful of the goodness of God and so not rebel against him. Mm. So that you would not forget what God has done for you. And this is for all of us, right? Not forgetting what God has done for you so that you don't rebel against him. I'm going to start at verse 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to start at, oh, I hate to start in the middle. I'm going to start at verse 4. This is the reminder of what God has done and then the warning. You'll hear it. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, of springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And then verse 11. Man, and this is where the music kind of goes to like the minor notes, you know, it kind of <laughs> like, right? Because there's a warning here. Verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. So what's the first indication that you've forgotten the Lord your God? He's blessed you. He's brought you out. He's done incredible things in your life. And, and what's the first indication? How do we spot that immediately? Well, you don't submit to what he commands. Mm. You're, you're not doing what God has told you to do. You don't submit to his commands and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Verse 12, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. The conversation can have a more eternal impact on people's lives if we don't get lost in the cultural moment. Mm. This is not about, well, should it be or shouldn't it be? Or what is that saying about me if I think this or anything? The question is, man, how do we take, can we turn Juneteenth into an Areopagus moment? Mm. Where you take the thing that is right there in front of you that everybody's talking about, everybody acknowledges and knows, and how do we turn it to a presentation of the gospel? And this table is so cleanly and neatly set. Yeah, It is yeah. ready for you to walk right up to it and serve the gospel. Mm. 
We'll come right back and take your phone calls. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Stay right there. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Um, we can begin getting your calls queued up. I'll let you know that we got a couple clips that we want to um, play for you today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason we want to play those clips is because I, I, I think it's important when we have this conversation that we do also look at the the cultural implications of of what we're discussing and the fact that none of these things, whether and and will you kind of alluded to this in the yeah. first segment too that whether these things become political ploys to um, keep people, you know, kind of in your camp, right? Right. These things are not going to satisfy. So you can designate as many holidays right. as you want, right? Right. You can you can make as many federal holidays as you want. The aim is not the federal holiday, right? Right. Th- and and the point was expressly stated. I was reading the CNBC news story, mm-hmm. and um, they interviewed Pharrell Williams, who is a musician, and they and they yeah. called him a philanthropist. Um, okay. And that's fine, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but he's most well known as as a musician. Right, right, right. All right. Um, but he said some things that I thought, well, that's the whole ball of wax. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the whole. So you can't you're not going to have this conversation. And that's why the gospel is so important, because you're not talking. You're not going to satisfy people's temporal needs. Mm. You're not going to do that. You're not. If, if people want anarchy, if people want, you know, unrest, you're not going to be able to assuage that by just giving people federal holidays because that's, I mean, those things are not even the end. Mm-hmm. And we know this because we study, we study critical theory. We study the cultural Marxists. Right. We know that they're not content to stop at this point. So we got a couple clips and then let me give the number because uh, Brent, who is helping us, um, will get your calls queued up. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. And uh, Will the Great, would you set up yeah. the, the the clips here for us? So the first clip is basically what she's asking, the, the reporter's asking, okay, what are your feelings about uh, this new federal holiday? But he goes in, he, so he answers that, he goes <laughs> into that, you know, and but he also gives a little more insight to being satisfied or not. And the second clip kind of builds on that. So the first clip. If we can go with that. I spoke with Pharrell and asked him what it meant for him to see Juneteenth finally recognized as a federal holiday. Well, I think what it what it would mean to all of us, just as Americans, is that like we're finally acknowledging uh, this really important part of history as it pertains to African Americans and African diaspora. Um, there's been a lot going on in this country ever since we've, you know, we're enslaved and brought to this country. Um, and just, you know, every acknowledgement is symbolic and, and, and significant. And here is yet another one where it's like, you know, two years of, of actually being freed and having our emancipation, but it not being observed or respected by, you know, the landowners. And so here we are. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to, to, to have it federally acknowledged. Uh, now we, got, we have to have um, the corporations to step up and actually make it a paid holiday um, as a part of their operational mandate as well. 
So it's it's not going to be enough, <laughs> right. right? So because remember, and the definition has changed as well. We're no longer, and we we did a show on this. You can go back and check the archives. The difference between equality and equity. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer a question of equality, right? It's no longer a question of saying, okay, this is a part of American history. This is a part of American history. Like like nobody would quibble over that. We'd say, yeah, this is a part of American history. But this is sort of the proof in the pudding that it is attached to an ulterior motive. Right. Right. That it's right. not. And so then to me, I think there was great offense in that. Yeah. That I think black people should be offended that, again, here you are being used as pawns saying, OK, hey, you, what about a holiday? What would you give me for a holiday? Right. <laughs> when there's true significance, true suffering in this history. And yet it's being used, Mm -hmm. it's being used to advance a political agenda. That's what's happening right now. That's it. And then again, to the point, will this satisfy people's desires? Right. Well, I think Pharrell Williams, is this, is this clip two? Yeah, go ahead. Pharrell Williams lets us know that, no, here we go. We've seen some progress on that front. And I know you've worked with some companies like Adidas, you've got a a relationship with. Are, are you satisfied? There was a big rallying cry last year at this time to do this from companies. Are you satisfied with the progress we've seen? We can be appreciative, right? And I am appreciative to uh, Adidas 100%. But I think that satisfied is a very different, that's a, that's a whole different like study in itself, right? I don't know that we could ever be satisfied, right? We, we should always try, you know, try and strive for, um, you know, equality in this country, equal pay, um, no discrimination, uh, and not just for us as African-Americans, but just like LGBTQIA, um, you know, our Latinx brothers and sisters and our Latinx community as well. Um, There's just women's rights. There's just so many things that we have to fix uh, in this country. And, um, you know, oftentimes the, the African-American culture gets skipped over. So, <laughs> there oh, man, there's so much. There 888-589-8840. I could. Oh, so you see there. <laughs> right. No, no satisfied. No, I, I don't no. know. You know. Appreciative. OK. Yeah. yeah OK. Yeah. But, thanks. But I mean, I right. don't know that that's enough. Right. Right. And it the terminology is so clunky that even yeah. Pharrell Williams, who is probably like, <laughs> you know, like the most progressive, you know, liberal, whatever. I mean, I don't know. He wears a dress from time to time. So like, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like he's really right. super woke. Even Pharrell Williams doesn't know how, if you say Latinx, what you're doing is taking off Latino, Latina. So you're moving the feminine and, and masculine distinction. So you can't you say, say brothers Latinx and brothers and sisters. Right. <laughs> Cause that's what you're trying this, to avoid. All this stuff is clunky. It's and like, it's like right, confusing. Right. You and know? so then he realizes that and he's like, or, or I mean, individuals or <laughs> community. Your community. Yeah. But but anyway. notice also, and we'll go to the phone lines after this. Notice also, and, and when I say this, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters, right? Those that Jesus Christ purchased you. Mm-hmm. Notice also, brothers and sisters, that even as he's communicating, he's talking about this. Please notice that this has nothing or this doesn't only pertain to um, black slaves. Please understand LGBTQIA. Mm, you heard it. Please understand women's it. rights. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Latinx. Right. So so what what are we really talking about? Well, what we're talking about is cultural Marxism. And if you need proof and confirmation that this is not just about remembering a history and celebrating that and saying, man, look at how far we've gone mm-hmm. or look at how far we've come in this country. If you need more proof than that, just listen. Listen to what he's saying. Yeah. 
He's outright saying that this is what this is about. That's right. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Anthony in Mississippi. Hi, Anthony. How you doing today, Will and hey, Mickey? Good, Hello. good. Long time no speak. <laughs> you hit it on the head when you quoted from Deuteronomy. Hmm. Okay? And this is the problem with society worldwide. They don't recognize the true freedom they have in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Man can throw everything at you about freedom this, freedom that. And I celebrated Juneteenth back in 75 when I came from Okinawa, Japan. Mm-hmm. But when the Lord called me, I found out I got more freedom in him. Come on, I just brother. have to make sure I don't use my freedom to satisfy the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Mm. And if people will read the very first chapter of the book of Ephesians, they will find out how God himself has placed them in Christ Mm. through his resurrection in the heavenly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Pharrell and the rest of them can talk about, well, this is going to start. No, 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 no. You're not going to have any true freedom. I don't care if you're white, black. Hispanic, uh, Arab, whatever. The only true freedom you're going to have for eternity mm-hmm. is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Did we, did we lose yeah. Brother Anthony? Amen. Amen, Brother Anthony. Thank you. I Look, we concur. Amen. Well, the great. Let's try to squeeze in some more phone calls. 888-589-8840. Where do we go next? Let's go to Murph in uh, Tennessee. Hi, Murph. Hey, thanks for taking my, this call. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Enjoy your uh, conversation. Let's set history straight, boys and girls. <clears throat> Number one, there is no such thing as an African-American or an Asian-American. I'm a public school teacher, taught American government and world history for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Diligent study. Africa is a continent. Asia is a continent. So when you say African-American, do you mean Egyptian, Moroccan, mm-hmm. Angolian, <laughs> or Kenyan? Same way with Asia, Thai, Laotian, Vietnamese. Second thing, that gentleman you interviewed, when he spoke about rights, there are no such things as human rights. There are inalienable natural rights that come from our Creator. Mm the Almighty, and his Son. Human rights come from humans and can be put into play and can be taken away. Hmm. The natural rights from the good Lord above cannot be taken away, and that's why men and women have fought and died to protect those rights that are symbolized by that flag. As far as the Juneteenth situation, uh If there was ever a patronizing uh, incident in American politics, that was it. Because if you look at that picture with the current president signing that document, the people in that picture have been in Congress and the Senate due to their election for the past 40-plus years. Mm. Your children, my grandchildren, and my grandchildren's children 
are in debt to the tune of $75,000 plus. And all those people in that picture are responsible for that debt. And you know what the good Lord says about debt. We are slaves to the bondholder. But as far as Juneteenth goes, um, you know, if people want to enjoy that, then so be it. But historically, it meant very little to the big picture because the Emancipation Proclamation had come come down two years earlier. And two years later, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were ratified. But again, if the citizens of the United States want to celebrate that that particular date as a federal holiday, and so be it. Yeah, Murph, let me, let me, I appreciate your comments. I I will say two things. Thank you so much for calling Murph. I appreciate it. I would say just a couple of things in response to what you're saying. I understand the point you're making about African-American, Asian-American. I would argue that one of the points that black people in America who are Americans, right? um, Well, those who are Americans. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I would argue that the, the point that has been often lamented is that you can't be specific about your heritage. You don't know exactly which nation, which country. You don't know. And so I think that's a part of the case that is made. So just to throw that out for you, you could do with that what you want. Um, I think the the point of Juneteenth is exactly what you communicated. So, yeah, you have the Emancipation Proclamation signed and handed down, but news of that information did not reach uh, far far west in Galveston, Texas. So you had um, sort of the last stronghold of the Confederacy in Galveston, Texas, withholding this information from people who were still in slavery. And there were some so, that were moving there because they thought it, it to be a safe haven to continue slavery. There were some yeah. that were moving west. And so the, so the problem is, and I think Murph would be able to understand this, not only because the teacher, but because, you know, human, right? Mm-hmm. That if a person says you're free, um, but you are not allowed to be free, then being told that you're free means nothing. Hmm. I mean, that's just a fact like yeah. that. That has no political leaning. Right. Like if, right. if we, we look at people who are being trafficked for sex. OK, they are living as sex slaves in our in our country. Right. And around the world. But in our country, this is going on right now. We do shows on this. We don't bat an eye because we don't write ourselves into the story. So we don't have to protect or hide anything. Right. Like we can we can talk about slavery as being wrong. Saying to own a person is wrong. For whatever purpose, to own a person is wrong. Mm-hmm. So we say it's illegal in this country, and yet there's still people, because we have not found these people and been able to bring them out, who are still slaves in this country today. So we can objectively say that that is wrong. Why? Because it's based on what we know to be true of the nature of God. Yeah. That man is made in the image of God. And so when we have this conversation, we don't need to say like, and I, I can't tell you what to say, Murph, you'll say what you want. And that's fine. We, what we don't need to downplay is the actual history. We can say, man, that really happened. Right. But we can, we can also say, man, but look at what God did in his amazing grace. Amen. Look at what God did. Okay. Let's try to squeeze in one more call. I'm sorry. Um, will the great, here we know. go. Can we do it? Is um, it, is it? No, it's too. I'm sorry. The music is playing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize. I apologize. Look, I just here's my point. What I what I would like to see is I would like to see Christians bold and speaking in out into the culture, but speaking eternal things. Yeah. Not not any in any direction, not a bent that has our temporal feelings in mind. 
right? So I don't need to, I don't need to defend or take a position because I'm black. I don't need to defend or take a position because I'm white or any other ethnicity. What we need to do is always make sure that we're trying to stand on the side of the Lord. Amen. What is it that God's word teaches us and how do we use that to navigate a culture that is hostile to truth? We have to be bold to do that. All right, we're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.